Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunities that we've had here this week. And Lord, as we've gone to the different seminars and as we're here, I just ask that your spirit will be poured out onto your people, that we will be equipped to do what you want us to do, and that we'll be changed step by step in your image and likeness. I ask for your spirit to be upon our presenter here this morning, Lord, or this afternoon, and help us to gain that that we need. And we just thank you, for we know that you love us and care for us and are showing us the way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, many of you being faithful with this class. And it is my hope and hope of my children. My first daughter gave me a deadline to write one book, <laughs> which I'm working on. But doing ministry and writing book, it's very, very challenging. Uh, but anyway, with your prayers, hopefully I'll be able to put these materials in a book form. But the way I really uh, come to grasp with, uh, you know, what I find to be very valuable is to look at the needs that we have. And this time I'm looking at, you know, human need from a developmental perspective. As you can see on this chart, I'm going to help you to go through this chart briefly. For those who have missed it from the beginning, and at least I can show you uh, what I've been trying to do in terms of my methodology. I've been trying to looking at life from five different developmental uh, stages, okay? So first stage is called what? Infant stage. And then second stage is called? Child stage. Third stage is adult stage. And then fourth stage, the parent stage. And then fifth stage is elder stage. It is not necessarily, these stages are not necessarily coincides with your physical age. In other words, one can be physically 18, and yet he's already on an elder stage. That would be amazing, right? You know what I mean? And, and, then, and then, and other tragic aspects of it is that one can be in their 60s and 70s and elder's age, you know what I mean? And yet a person can be stuck in your infant age. Have mercy. You know what I mean? Can you imagine you being an infant without you knowing, and then you living with an infant? And then you're having a whole bunch of children who are just stuck in their infantile years. Have mercy. And so, you know, you can pray all you want, and you can read the Bible all you want. Not that I'm against it. But we need to really understand where we are developmentally, because all of these developmental unmet needs play a role in our lives in such a way that it becomes a stuck point in our spiritual growth. It's, it's going to, in, you know, really inhibit us from being able to fully grow. But what's so amazing about God? I want to mention two things before I go on. No matter where you may be in your developmental stage, okay, what's so exciting about this uh, this whole thing is that no matter where you may be, you may be stuck in your infantile years and, you know, just no matter where you are in your developmental stage, your, your, your sense of value 
doesn't necessarily change. In other words, whether you are an elder or whether, you know, no matter where you are in, in terms of your uh, you know, maturity level, your sense of value stays the same. Everyone's valuable, no matter where you are developmentally. Amen? Amen. You may be immature, but you are as much as valuable as someone who is what? Mature in the Lord. But, but the impact that you have may be totally different. Uh-huh. And that's one thing. And the second thing that I want to mention is that whatever the developmental stuck point where you may have in your life, you may be stuck in your infantile years, take heart. Because in Christ, we get to start all over again anyway. Amen? Amen. You, you get to be a child again in your relationship with God. And God has a way of helping us to meet our, all of those unmet needs in a way that God can only do so. So that, that makes me excited about this whole journey, okay? So let's just briefly go over some of it. I want to show you how you can see this chart. This, is, uh, this chart is evolving right now. It's not complete. But as I continue on, I'm learning how to put things together in a way that it continues to evolve. So there's a stage on the first row, and then second row is the row that it, it's a developmental task. It's a to be cared for. When you're an infant, you need to be cared for. And then right underneath is, are the issues that get created when you are not being taken care for. Okay, that's how you look at it. So you can call it a, like a dysfunction, dysfunction or illness or relational problem that gets developed. So if you're not cared for, you become codependent. You can't think for yourself. You have to rely on somebody else for everything. Even if this person is married, you know what I mean? When your child gets sick, you have to call your mom and, hey, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, I have a problem with my with husband. What do I do? And so you become codependent in that way and then you have no self-expression the child doesn't know how to express himself and then uh, you are grieving over the loss of childhood because you've never been taken care for and therefore you have that anger and resentment and sadness and all that comes with it and then third line is a line where when you are well taken care of what happens then you become you know, joyful, and you have a joy foundation in your life, and you have an ability to trust and so forth. So I'm just giving you, an, uh, you, you just an idea as to what can happen. Okay, let's move on to child stage. You see how infantile stage, you need to, you need to be taken care of, you need to be cared for, so that when you get to a child, you're able to care for self. In other words, in other words, no one, no one learns how to take care of themselves in vacuum, right? No one learns how to do that. So how to, how to learn to take care, how someone will learn to take care of themselves by being taken care of. So then other care, it happens to be mom and dad, other care becomes your self-care. You know, when your parents control, parental control becomes self-control, okay? So parents' role is very, very significant in that way, you learn to care for self. And then when you're not able to care for self, then what happens? You become self-absorbed. You know, always talk about yourself. That's the only thing you talk about. it, And then you already also feel with loss of childhood. But when you're able to take care of self uh, by being taken care of, then you will have self-expression. 
you develop talents, you develop work ethics, and you, you start doing hard work, you learn how to play, uh, you become a wonder child, not wondering child, child that wonders about things and then have awe of things, you know? And let's move on to adult stage, which we talked about yesterday, where when you become an adult, what happened? You're able to take care of self, and then you're able to care for other people as well. You see, developmentally, you move from one stage to another. And then when you're not able to develop self-care and caring for others, then what happens? You don't have any generosity, meaning that, you know, that's all you're not able to share and you're not able to be, uh, to be a source of blessing in the lives of people. And you become very scarce with the things that you have. You have entitlement. The whole world owes something to you and all that. We talked about it. And then your language becomes, um, you know, something like blaming, complaining, and then you become an adult child, okay? And then, but when uh, we talked about how when you become an adult and you're able to care for self and care for others in a healthy way, what happens? Then you are able to what? Regulate joy. It's very, very important. You're able to help people to come back to joy, right? And return to joy. And then ability to respond and all that I have mentioned there. So you can take a look at it, where you might be and how, what are some of the aspects of developmental stage I need to um, continue to work on and so forth. Now, okay, well, let's move on to parent stage. Don't you like this picture? <laughs> parent stage, okay, parent stage. Parent stage is a stage after having been able to grow up to be an adult, okay? We all having been grown up to be an adult, and then you become a parent. Not just physical parent, but you become spiritual parent. You're able to bear children for the Lord. How many of you desire to bear children for the Lord? Amen? Yeah, and that's what I mean by being parent. You become productive for the Lord. So what are the signs of being healthy, signs of being parents? You're able to what? Sacrifice for children without what? Resenting or expecting. You know, you, you, you don't raise children and thinking that they're my uh, retirement plan, you know? <laughs> and then you remind them of that. Okay, you're my retirement plan. I give you everything, you know? You need to take care of me. Um, you know, one time my son came up to me and I fixed him breakfast and my wife had to go to work and I fixed him breakfast, something simple. And then he was like, Daddy, I love you. You know, when you grow old, I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> he, he, had that, he had that sense of like obligation or something, you know. And then while I was thankful, on the other hand, I said, you know what, I'll take care of myself. I hope that I will always be in a position where I can give you and bless. And if you take care of yourself, take care of your family, you be happy, that's all I want, you know? Um, we don't want to obligate our children uh, in a way that that's not healthy. So you learn to sacrifice for children and yet doing it with joy. And then you learn how to protect and serve and enjoy the family. You know what I mean? Um, how many of you, I mean, how many of you have experience of, you know, raising children and thinking that, man, how long this is going to, like, this is like taking forever, but all of a sudden you realize that they're gone, right? They're gone. 
And then you go to the nursing home, and then, you know, people in the nursing home, I remember a time I used to take my kids there, and then people in the nursing home look at you and say, enjoy your kids while you can, you know? You remember? And then I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even think anything of it. And then sure enough, like 30 years went by, and kids are gone, and like, wow, you know? Yeah. And then you miss your kids. But if you don't treat your kids well, then mm, those, those kids don't come back very easily. And uh, unless, like, things don't work out and they have to come and live with you. <laughs> and that's not, that's not fun, right? I mean, and so, so it's really, really important if you and I are in that parenting stage, we need to learn to do it joyfully and then we need to learn to enjoy our children. You know what? I want to tell you something. I'm in the prayer team where we're praying a lot for people. We get to know a lot about what's going on in the lives of people in Michigan Conference. You know, one of the most frequently appeared prayer requests is that people are wanting to pray, wanting us to pray for their children and their salvation. And, and there's a heartache going on. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes um, religion gets in the way of really building human-to-human relationship with our children. And sometimes religion becomes a blockage. Because like, did you go to church? You know, did you read the Bible? You know, you know, God is calling you. You need to come back to God, you know. But you know what? Sometimes if, if our children are already astray from church, that tells you quite a bit of things about your family. It tells you when they're growing up, it has not been that enjoyable. Not all the time. So I met this one lady whose mother commissioned me to meet her. <laughs> Sometimes I have to do that. I hate doing that. But, you know, like, you got to go and meet my daughter. And so I found this girl in, like, somewhere and met her. She was, like, a, she was like a successful jazz singer. You know, her, her father was elders in the church, and she was jazz. His father was very unhappy. She was dating someone he wasn't happy about. And as soon as I met her, you know what she said? She said, Pastor, I know who sent you. (laughs) She said, it's my mom, right? (laughs) I hate my mom doing that. (laughs) I don't know why he does that to you. I said, no, I, I wanted to come and meet you. And then she said, before you say anything, I want you to make sure that you don't take my happiness away. Because I've been miserable growing up. I'm finally learning to be happy. Don't ever, don't you dare to try to take it away from me. So what do you say? What do you say? Okay, have fun, I'm gone. I said, I am glad you're finally having fun. Everyone needs to have fun, depending on you know, how you define fun, but you know what? I'm glad you're having fun. It's, it's better than you being miserable. But if the time comes and fun that you have is no longer fun, 
anymore. Then give me a call. I gave her phone number. <laughs> she said, I doubt it, but if I ever get to that point, I'll call you. And so a lot of the kids leave the church because they are burnt out and they're bored, bored to tears. And they, all they saw, parents fighting, church fighting, people in the church bickering about this stuff that they don't think it's important. What's the point? All that. And people are serious. Serious. Instead of having serious joy. <laughs> I mean, like, like you, know, you know what I'm talking about. And therefore, greatest witness for Jesus Greatest blessing you can give to your children is the joy that you and I can find in the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. I wish I had another time to talk about Holy Spirit and joy. I didn't get to that. Did you know that Holy Spirit is everything about joy? Woo! Holy Spirit comes and there is going to be joy. And this joy is going to be so contagious. Take a look at the Bible. First son and second son. You look at parable of, you know, first son and second. Luke chapter 15, right? Second son is like, oh, I'm sick of home. And I'm going to go out there and have fun, right? And then he came back miserable. He came back, totally lost everything, came back. And then father was throwing a party for him. And the first son came back. What is this, the cow smell, barbecue smell? <laughs> You know, and he was so miserable. He was so miserable in the church. You know what I'm saying? He had no joy serving the Lord. And the parable, ten virgins, five virgins who didn't have enough oil. That oil represents plentifulness, Holy Spirit, and its joy. They were lacking joy in their lives. It is the joy that Christ gives us, and that's what's going to what? Attract people of the whole world unto us. Amen? And I really believe in this. I really believe that God, God needs to restore joy in our lives. Really. And how many of you? So I really believe in this session. I really believe in this message. That in that, God has created the, the place in our brain, it's called what? Prefrontal cortex, right underneath of this, you know, you know, you know, pre, you know, frontal cortex. Underneath of this, God created a special place where it's called joy center, where you can continue to grow that joy of the Lord forever and ever. And that's what's going to energize you. That's what's going to transform you. That's what's going to sanctify us. That's what's going to give us, allow us to be the salt of this world. And then that joy is going to allow us to be healthy forever. You know what I mean? I'm realizing that I'm not growing any younger, I'm growing old. You know, I'm having to wear this glass. And I lost my glass here yesterday. <laughs> Where was my glass? And I left it here. You know, I, I, I'm growing old, you know, and then before we know it, and then you know what? Growing old gracefully, growing old healthy is a real, real challenge. But I want to tell you, if you have a joy of the Lord, He's going to keep you. Continue to be healthy and blossom and prosperous in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We need the joy of the Lord. 
in our lives. And that's what's going to be the game changer. How to protect, serve family, and enjoy the family. So if you have a follower child, if you have a son who's, who's not interested in your faith, we pray for them and so forth. But you know what? Best gift you can give is to enjoy that child again. Enjoy that son. When your son comes back home, don't talk about religion. Don't talk about anything else. You know what? Glad to have you back. Enjoy having you back. Have a great appetite. Have a great meal. A great time together. And share your joy with your son. That's how, what God is all like. Presenting God to one's family able to guide children through difficult times and return to joy. This is a key. This is a key. When you have difficult times, don't go down with them. You know, don't, don't go through any pity party with them and tell them, take heart. I know it's tough. I am with you. I'm encouraging you. But you know what? Always, always, not only you return to joy, but helping your children, people around you to return to joy in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oftentimes, oftentimes in marriage, woman has a tendency to go deeper in how he or she feels right now. I didn't understand this. You know, there was a time like in, in our 10 years of our marriage, you know, my wife used to tell me things like, you know, you know, like, honey, honey, if when I really, really needed you, you were never, ever there for me. How many of you heard that? I guess you heard that too. Uh, you made me look better. <laughs> and so, so when I heard that, I got really mad. It's like, true, you're not telling the truth. You're lying. I was there almost like at least 80% of the time, if not even 50% of the time. And we were fighting over how many times we've been there. <laughs> but then little did I realize, we were talking about statistics, right? I was talking about statistics. Men are objective, right? Not objective. Men are like, uh, you know, very, very, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, logical, logical. And then women are very subjective in that what she was saying, she was not saying that I was never, ever there for her, but she was saying the way she felt right on that moment was as if I was never, ever there for her. You see? Big difference. Big difference. So therefore, when she, later on, I, I learned that, oh, well, that's the depth of her feeling at this moment. It is like a well. Woman's feeling is like a well going. But right on that moment, it's not the time for man to go down the drain with her. <laughs> then what's going to happen? No water. <laughs> Nobody can, can come out. And so those are the times we need to like, what? Allowing the family to go through a difficult time, return to joy. So you know what I do? I tell my wife, Joe, Joe. I look at her and say, Joe, look at me. Look at me in the eyes. I say, tomorrow is going to be better than today. If I say that, she's like, amen, I believe it. And then she followed me. She's been following me for the past 30 some years. Amen. Amen? What if I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense. Why do you do that? And uh, we're not getting anywhere. We're fighting all the time. And somebody has to have a vision. Somebody has to have a direction. Somebody has to have a hope. A man or woman in the family, when you have 
when you become joy, founded in joy of the Lord, then that's what you're going to have, have that perspective that will allow. That's why Bible study is so important. Studying uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, so powerful. I have a sermon on that. It's a powerful, powerful perspective. When you have that perspective, man, you're moving from most holy place. You're not moving, not only you're moving towards salvation, you're moving out of salvation. Amen? Amen? I know, I know. It takes time to talk about it. Let's move on. Now, before I go on talking about becoming an elder, oh, yeah, let's talk about elder stage, okay? Elder stage. You become an elder. You, you begin to realize, I, you know, one thing that made me very excited about this whole, whole developmental process is starting from infantile years and childhood and then adult years and then, you know, adult parental years and then you become an adult. Really helped, this whole process really helps me to realize that God's vision for you is to allow you to continue to mature in the Lord unto the full stature of Jesus Christ in such a way that you and I become mighty for Jesus Christ. Amen? How many of you say amen to that? Amen. amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. God wants you to be so mighty in that God wants our lives to be impactful in the lives of other people. So as you grow older, your level of impact, your intensity of impact grows deeper and far-reaching more and more and more. Amen? Amen. Somebody told me the other day, hey, Pastor, you know, I'm already like 70 years old. <laughs> Somebody told me, I'm already like 80 years old. I'm already like, you know, so-and-so. Hey, so what? God's vision for you to continue to grow in your capacity to reach out to people for love and all that. So, so God has begun a work, and you have a lot of work to do. Amen? How many of you are willing to go with God and to continue to allow God to mature you? Amen? Amen. And the life has just begun. Amen? Rosemary, it's life has just begun. Amen? <laughs> just begun. Just begun. Just begun. Really, I believe in it. So now you move on to elder stage and to see the kind of maturity God wants us to experience in this level of maturity. I like this. Make the best of your life. The best of your life is yet to come. I like it. Somebody wrote a book. Somebody wrote a book. I like that title of that book. I bought that book for the title of that book. I don't know how old is old, but old is older than me. I like that. <laughs> There's not much to, things to learn from that book other than that title. But title was amazing. <laughs> and elder stage, beginning when youngest child becomes an adult. Okay, so life is full circle. And then what are some of the uh, characteristics that comes with being an adult? Can act like themselves in the midst of difficulty. You don't lose yourself. You don't you lose your sanity. You don't you lose your cool. You don't lose your temper or anything. You just continue to act like themselves in the midst of difficulty. When things are difficult, you know, your true self comes out, right? And you become a community leader who knows the community's identity. You see how, as a child growing up, you begin to build your own self-identity. There is no such thing as self-identity without you being placed in a we-identity, right? We talked about it last, last uh, seminar, last year. You know, 
It's fascinating for me to realize that you and I need to be in re-identity to discover who I am as my personal identity. In other words, I need to be with you to discover my own sense of identity. But moving on from that identity, you remember, you remember anyone can answer how one does build identity? Healthy sense of identity? Someone can answer how one can build a healthy sense of identity? If none of you can answer, it will put me to shame. <laughs> How does one build a healthy sense of identity? There it is. Mm -hmm. By knowing your worth that you are beloved. Yes, yes. So your identity has everything to do with you being beloved, right? Being beloved. And how do you know that you are beloved? How do you know that you are loved? Pardon? Bible, that's good, but according to our chart, yes, when somebody, when someone becomes so joyful to be with you, that's a true sense of love for you. You know what I mean? My, wife, my father used to spank me, and I love you so much, and I'm spanking you. You know, I believe it. <laughs> but, then, but then when I came to Andrews, when I came to Andrews, you know, PMC, on Sabbath, after church, and I saw father and son hugging each other, and they, oh, wow. I never had that kind of hugging, and never had that kind of joining with my father. So I began to long for that personal touch with my father. It is a joy bond that creates a sure sense of being loved, and that being loved is what gives us a sense of identity. So then with that identity, you become a community leader who thinks about community's needs. You see? So now your need is become beyond yourself. Your needs become go out of yourself in that you don't just think about my need and my wants and my desire, my satisfaction, my survivor, my identity. God has been strengthening you, growing you in your sense of identity. You grow out of yourself in your identity in that you begin to think about community's needs and then how the community to play in this world as having special identity. You see how your vision has grown. You've grown out of yourself. Isn't that amazing? And that's how God desires. That's why we want to introduce journey to wholeness to everybody because it's not enough for me to be healed, but it is about what? Healing one another, healing other people in your community. Amen? Yeah, yeah. When you see someone in the community, oftentimes in Barren Springs, a lot of people think that Barren Springs is like uh, is heaven. It's like all oh, Adventists are there. You know, they'll be the first one to go to heaven and all that. Um, but you know what? In Bering Springs, I have never seen in my life so much dysfunction, so much chaos, so much lostness, so much aloneness. People are so lonely. In the middle of the days, I would drive my car and then people are like walking like this. Either they're on high or, you know, whatever. There's so much right around our backyard, right around our Adventist backyard. There's so much lostness in that community. And not many are doing anything about it. I have a burden for it. We got to do something. And so guess what? We started the journey of wholeness in our Advent Disciples Center. And, you know, Harleen and I and a couple of people started 
guess what? We have about 10 to 15 people coming out of nowhere from the community. They would not walk into the church, but they would love to come to the journey of wholeness because they, have, they, got, they got addictions to deal with, all kinds of dysfunctions to deal with. And they come, and then they open up and their heart, and they say, I'm a child of God, blah, blah, blah. And then they share. And then some of them start come back, come to our church. One time I preached a sermon. At the end of it, a lady stood up and said, Pastor, she's totally from non-SD background, unchurch background, and she said, I want to be baptized. Amen? God wants to do some great things through you. So let's take a look at it. Community is a leader who knows the community's need. Do we have a concern for community? Do you care about the identity that we have as a community? See community's members as God sees them. And our job is for God to empower our identity so much that we become so joy-bonded and then we allow ourselves to be used by God to reach out to community in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking past their flaws and facades to see the person they have been designed to be. Delight in young people's skill and power. Yeah, we need to empower our young people. In our church, we started to empower young people to preach. High schoolers started to preach and college kids starting to preach. And then, you know, some of the members are coming to me. Hey, you know, they preach better than you. And, and of course, that's not time to create dramas, right? I need to be an adult. I need to be joyous and happy. And then place what is best for the community over personal fairness and or preferences. Everyone needs real, living, loving, spiritual families to heal, grow, and to thrive. Everyone needs that. How can we create this loving and thriving community? You know, I'm going to ask my wife to come up and share this one experience about going to women's group called, uh, you know, what is that? That, that, that group that you went to, Joe. Come up. You, you went to this group called... Uh, you have a hat for that, right? I went to um, a group. It's called More Than 500 People Get Together, and it's called a Bliss. And it's actually telling women that we can't, we need a tribe of bliss together, that we need to really gel together as women and come together. And uh, it's been very uplifting, and uh, it's really changing uh, people's lives. And I just want to um, actually address you. All of you here are like change agents Amen. in your family, in your church, and in the community. Amen. And I'm so encouraged that each one of you are, you know, are in this journey of personal development, should I say? And it's just wonderful. Think, tell us about the experience where you, know, you were tired and then you, you weren't thinking about going there and then you went in there and then, yeah. yeah she didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, so I'm going to help her try again. <laughs> I put her on the spot, sorry. That's what comes with marrying a pastor. <laughs> I remember um, Saturday, Saturday night, I was, slept really late and Sunday morning I went and it starts at 6 o'clock. And I, you know, I dragged my feet there, and I was kind of, you know, late, and I'm in there, and the door was closed, and I'm just imagine, you know, it's a conference, so I went to a hotel, and I just opened the door, and I'm just groggy, I'm just dragging myself. I opened the door, and it's like, boom! It just hit me. 
the energy of like 500 women like talking together, hugging, laughing. It's like, I was like, whoa. It was like, I did, it's just like lifted my spirit up, you know? And then, you know, when you pass by, these people don't know you, but they just say, hi, how are you? And they just hug you. They just hug you, you know? And they just introduce themselves. And it was just so wonderful to come together uh, with all these strangers. But then, you know, they're such givers. And you can tell, you know, all women, we have a nurturing heart. So these women. Uh, and then we, they were talking about what we're talking about, you know, how, how you can be transparent, how you can move forward, you know, all that stuff. So it was wonderful. Amen. Thank you, Joel. It's like a, it's like a fire, you know, sucking you in. In a, in a positive way. And so each and every one of you are given with that fire, given with that joy foundation. That's going to energize you so much so that it's going to make your life so attractive to others as it has been and continue to allow you to draw other people onto you in a way that he would allow you to become, allow you to be erected as leaders in the community. Amen. And God wants to do that to each and every one of you. So let's move on. Let's continue on with this. Okay. True leaders, true elders. I like this statement. True elders are open to God's voice when he orchestrates a spiritual adoption and are willing to give spiritual children the same unselfish care that they gave their own biological children. So you're talking about being a spiritual leader and then spiritual leader in the community where you, uh, you know, beget these uh, spiritual children you know, through an adoption and you allow people to grow in the Lord. So there's nothing like, nothing like you empowering people to grow, you know? There's nothing like you empowering young people to grow. And that's what I love about what I do now. And I, I get to spend time with young people. And then you get to spend time and allow them to be built up. And I remember a time I was talking to this one girl. You know, this girl was very negative about everything. But she's a very smart girl. And she was a church member on my church district, first church district. She would give me such a hard time. Because whenever I, we have a board meeting, man, she would like... Pastor, you, you don't know anything. You, you know, you just came from Korea, you know. And she would tell me those things, you know. Your English, we don't understand, you know. <laughs> she would give me really hard time. But, but, you know, she had a lot of great points. And I was like going to God and praying for her. Lord, please, either you, you know, rapture me or rapture her <laughs> 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 or, or send me to another church <laughs> and then God says no I need to change you change you and then I ended up like talking to her and I said you know I ended up saying things that I didn't even think about saying that's what Holy Spirit does I went to her and said you know what you have such a tremendous ability to discern things. When I was saying it, I couldn't believe what, that I was saying it. <laughs> and then I thought you would make a very, very powerful counselor. As I was saying it, I couldn't believe that I was saying it. <laughs> and a couple of years down the road, I went to PUC, and guess whom I met? I met that girl. I thought she was raptured, but she was there. <laughs> and then I met her, and then... <laughs> I was so surprised, and then I met her, and I said, hey, what are you studying here? And she said, Pastor, do you remember what you said? You thought I would make a great counselor? 
Whoa, she took it to heart. Now all the counselors will be in trouble. <laughs> and, then, and then she goes, you know, Pastor, I'm studying psychology. I'm going to be a counselor. She became a clinical psychologist. She got PhD. And she's counseling people somewhere. And to this day, she's thanking me that I was, a, I was an agent of change in her life. I'm telling you, the little things you say, I mean, there's nothing like growing the community, people in the community to do, you know, what, what they're called to do as we become an agent of God in the lives of people, okay? And now you become an adult. You're able to handle criticism and rejection. You're able to handle rejection and then speak the truth even when it is not easy or popular. Serve with, this is, this is very hard. <laughs> this is very hard <laughs> aspect. You serve with, even without being what? Appreciated. <laughs> Joyfully. <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> you serve without being appreciated. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you know, that's a sign of being an adult, being an adult and being mature. That's what Christ did. That's what Christ did. That's true, isn't it? That's what Christ did. He didn't make an issue out of it. And then Jesus said, you do not know what, what you're doing. And Jesus prayed for them. And then looking past their flaws and facades to see the person they have been designed to be. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? So how many of you are still in the infantile stage? You go through life. And you keep growing. And not only you grow, you help other people to grow. You help your children to grow. You help your church member, young people to grow, people around you to grow. Well, these guys are ready, ready to get married. And then there's Mandala. So many great leaders out there. And think about the capacity that God would really infill all of us to be. It, there's a, it's a time for us to really, you know, seek the Lord to be, to be great leaders for the Lord. And in closing, with the time I have, I'm going to go through very quickly some of the most important lessons that I want to share with you. That is the message on forgiveness, removing the blockage. In order for us to grow deeper, we need to remove the blockage, Okay. Through forgiveness. Forgiveness is a means that would allow us to remove those blockages in our lives. How many of you realize that you and I cannot live a moment without somebody forgiving you? Marriage cannot go on without being forgiven or forgiving your spouse. How many times have I been forgiven from my wife? Countless, you know? And so we are actually swimming in the water called Forgiveness. Without forgiveness, our relationship can, can, cannot continue. And therefore, this message of forgiveness is something that God wants us to practice as a lifestyle. Yeah, but it is difficult. It is more than difficult. It is impossible sometimes, knowing certain situations. You know, one time I was being with somebody, you know, like for three months to gain her trust. And found out that this girl had tremendous anger issue toward the mother whom she never remembered. She has seen her maybe when she was five months old. 
But she has been having this nightmare for the past 30 years over her mother, whom she never seen and remember. Her nightmare, something goes like this. Somebody would uh, carry her in her bag. She wears a white Korean traditional dress. That happens to be her mother. And then she would ditch her in the middle of the rice field. Rice field is like filled with water and murky and it's very like, you know, really dampy and uh, lots of clay inside. It's really not pleasant. But she would just, this mother would just dump this girl, you know, in the mud. And that's what she would remember as a nightmare every day of her life. I said, that might be your mom. And so after three months later, I came to a place where I had to confront her. In counseling, there's a part that you really had to do, which is very difficult for you to do. It's called confrontation. In other words, you need to confront the person with the truth, with love. And so I had to talk about forgiveness. But I knew that if I did, I might have been, I might be like, really like, you know, she might hit me or something. <laughs> and so I, 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 you know, deliberately stayed a little bit away from her. And then I told her, this might make you really mad, <laughs> but I want you to be prepared. And she says, what is it? What is it? And I said, you know that, that dream that you had, the nightmare you had, the mother, you know, who just like dropped you and you know, you know, ditched you and then rejected you? You really need to um, forgive. <laughs> Your mom. As soon as I uttered the word forgiveness, she got up and then, how dare you tell me to forgive my mom? And she banged on the door, closed the door. And then when someone's angry, man, she could run so fast. I ran out after her. She was already in the car. Like, I cry out loud. And, I am praying for you. But God can only give you forgiveness. It's a gift from God. She would not call me. She would not answer my call for a month. Month later, this lady called me, finally. But this time, her voice was totally changed. Before, she was so depressed. Pastor, um, her voice was like that. But when she called me in one month, she was like, Pastor, ah! Ooh, what happened? She said, Lord, give me forgiveness. Lord, allow me to forgive my mom. Because before forgiveness, she, have, she would have so much anger. The reason why she came to counseling was because she had a daughter who was only three months old. She got so worked up. She got so angry over something. And she found herself choking her daughter's neck. I said, whoa, I can kill my daughter. Wow. The level of anger I have is something that I cannot handle. So she knocked on the door. And Lord just took that anger away. And she found freedom in forgiveness. So let's talk about it briefly, okay? Let's go through it very quickly, okay? We, we, you must have heard so much things about forgiveness and all that. So we'll just go through it. Forgiveness. I made it easier for you to just fill in the blank <laughs> this time, right? Okay, forgiveness is not forgetting what has been done to you. It's not about forgetting Okay, we're not asking you to forget. Because when you forgive, you do not get 
you know, amnesia. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah, you do, you, do not, you, you do not get this, like, forgetfulness, right? You cannot forget. You cannot forget. How do you forget the image of catching your loved one in an act of being unfaithful? You cannot forget that, right? How do you forget the time your uncle raped you? How do you forget the day your father abandoned you? How do you forget when your teenager wiped out your savings account to buy drugs? You can't forget. So forgiveness is not forgetfulness. It's not forgetting. Forgiveness does not release the offender from consequences, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. The number one reason why we do not want to forget people is because we want revenge, vengeance. You know, it comforts us, right? But the Bible says vengeance belongs to me, right? And then you know what? There are two things belongs to God, tithe and vengeance. <laughs> you can't touch it. Let God deal with it. But it's not, forgiveness is not about letting the offender go without, you know, having to deal with the consequences. And then, thirdly, forgiveness. This is important. This is important for us to know. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. You know what I'm saying? You cannot reconcile to everybody whom you forgive. You may forgive somebody. It doesn't mean that you can work together again or you can, get, you can live together again. You know what I'm saying? You know, when somebody abuses you so much, then, then it's important for you to set boundaries and you know, move away a little bit. And then you may forgive, but it doesn't mean that you have to reconcile, you know, be reconciled with that person. It's two different things because to be reconciled, we need to build trust. We need to be trusted. That person needs to be trusted. And so it's two different things. While forgiveness is required, some people whom you forgive may not be trustworthy or abusive, and to have close relationship with them would be unhealthy. For instance, say you forgive someone who never apologizes. You have to forgive someone who never apologizes and refuses to accept that he or she has wronged you, right? While forgiveness is still required, there is no way outside of the miracle of God that a relationship can be reestablished, right? You may forgive somebody, but then that person who, who received forgiveness doesn't realize the need of it, doesn't ask for forgiveness, then your relationship will never get restored. So forgiveness is not required with you know, reconciliation. You cannot be reconciled with everybody. If a parent sexually abused you as a child, you can forgive him or her without needing to become friends with your parents. If the business partner cheated his way through your company's profit margin, you can forgive him, but you do not have to go into business with him ever again, right? Yeah, so forgiveness is not equal with reconciliation, okay? Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. We all know that, right? Let's move on. And what we need to do, we need to open our hearts for forgiveness. We need to extend compassion, try to walk a mile in their shoes, release the person from the prison, you put them inside your heart, and therefore it is a lifestyle of forgiveness. Okay, more truths about forgiveness. Okay, let's move on. Number one, it's not about keeping scores. It's about losing counts. I like that. 
<laughs> right? The Bible says well, how many times, you know, Peter, someone came and asked, how many times do I need to forgive? Seven times, right? Seven times. And then Jesus says what? Seventy times seven. <laughs> In one day. <laughs> Seventy times seven. So 490 times. You know what I mean? So without forgiveness, our relationship cannot continue on. And we need to be the first one to extend forgiveness. You know what? I've been to a session. Actually, um, I've been to a session. Uh, what's, the, what's the name of that place where they ask you to forgive and you go? and uh, I forgot the name of that place. Uh, a landmark. Landmark. It's a totally secular program. And then they don't talk about God or not. It's just a totally secular program. And then there are all kinds of people come. And as you can see, some people come just being so angry, agitated, unhappy. You know, there's just such a negative energy about some people you don't want to be with. You're learning to be careful. And then you're told that you're nasty. You're like, <laughs> they, tell, they tell you as it is. And then, guess what? They have this session. They have this session where you're called to go out right now to call your ex. <laughs> And the guy was, man, I have so many acts to deal with, you know. <laughs> you know, which one does I start with, you know? And, and so it's so funny. They're like becoming really open. I'm like, oh man, you know, I have like, I have like five exes, man, you know. And then, and then, and then they start calling these people out of nowhere. They're they start calling this ex, and they start calling this wife and husband or whomever they have issues with, and call them and say, hey. I'm sorry for what happened, you know, forgive me, and blah, blah, blah. And then they actually, they are almost forced to go through this, you know, process of forgiveness and share forgiveness with somebody else. And I want to tell you, within, within two days of doing that, their face become totally changed. <coughs> their minus energy becomes positive. Actually, wow. I never thought that this person could be so attractive and so peaceful. People's countenance totally change. When you let go of those things that allow you to be so entangled. So it's not about keeping score, losing counts. Jesus says four times, seven times 70, 490. That then is limitless. We're needing that this amount of Forgiveness in our life. While getting hurt is reality, getting and staying bitter is a reaction, right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, don't let the bitter roots grow in your heart. That's our responsibility. The worst thing that can happen to a woman or a man is to grow old and die in bitterness. Right? I, do a, I used to do a lot of New Start program. People come in their final stages. Oh boy, you counsel them. Not always, but many of the women come there as a result of them hating their husband. Hating their husband so much. The one lady came up to me and said, Pastor, I hate my husband so much. I know, I know I have trouble with that. I hate my husband so much that I just want him to go out and get into a car accident and die. So wow. And then she's battling cancer. Have mercy. 
The worst thing that can happen to a person is to be at the end of your life, bitter, bitter. And that's why the Bible says that even Second Peter, you know, First Peter chapter three says talks about like you know even if you have a husband who does not believe in God, treat him from a pure heart, respect him, so that your purity may change him, transform him, and bring him back to the Lord. You see, what you and I are called to desire in our lives. The reason why we need to we need to exercise forgiveness in our lives is because, because God wants us to be pure in the end. God wants us to be purified, you know? Because without forgiveness, it is like doing a tug of war. How many of you have done tug of war for more than 10 minutes? Can you imagine doing a tug of war for 30 minutes? Can you imagine doing a tug of war for one hour? Can you imagine doing tug of war for your entire life? That's, that's the spirit of unforgiveness. You owe me this. I need to get this from you. Forgiveness is, oh man, I'm done with this. I'm bruising. I'm like blistering. I'm like bleeding. And, and I'm the one who's hurting. I'm like, I don't care. I'm letting it all go and let go. Let God. That's forgiveness. So let go of that tug of war that only get and only hurt us. It is unforgivable not to forgive. If you refuse to forgive others, God will not forgive you. Whoa. Actually, I would rephrase this. It kind of sounds like, you know, making God really kind of bad. But I would rephrase this by saying, God has forgiven you in Christ with no conditioning, but God's forgiveness of you wouldn't do anything for you if we still harbor unforgiveness in our lives. In other words, like if I am cherishing the spirit of unforgiveness in my life, then God's forgiveness has not done its work in our lives. And so it is when you and I learn to forgive by obedience, by the spirit of God, then we are truly going deeper in our gratitude toward what God has done for us in terms of his forgiveness toward us. Amen. It is something that God wants us to experience. Matthew chapter 12, 31, 30, to speak against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That is talking about unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I just explained what that really, really means. Matthew 18, 23 talks about the guy who owns, owes hundred. 10,000 talents to the master, to the king, right? And so he was about to go to jail, and he pleaded to the king and said, hey, I have my family members to feed and all that. Please forgive me. Please, you know, allow me to be released. And then if somebody, somebody translated this word to the modern terms, it's $10 million. 10,000 talents is $10 million. So the king has forgiven how much? $10 million. And then, guess what? And this is a debt he could not pay. 
And then, and then he met this guy who owes him how much? $10,000. And then he said, I cannot forgive you. And then he put him into jail. And then when King found out, you know what happened, right? Oh, I can't believe what he did. I, I, I let him go of $10 million, and he's having an issue with a guy with $10,000. He put him in jail, and so bring him back. The, the master got really mad and then put him in jail. The best in us, number four, is very important. The best in us can only be brought out by the worst done to us. Did you know the diamond can only shine the best against the black background? The worst done to us can be a background upon which the best of us can shine, can be shining. Think about it. Forgiveness may take time, but don't stop, don't give up, keep on asking. You know what? It always works. Husband and wife come to me for counseling. And then they're asking, like, who should, who, should, uh, no, who should start forgiving? Who should initiate forgiveness? I always tell them, well, whoever thinks that they've done right should go and initiating forgiveness. And then I find them forgiving each other. Because we both thought that we, we've done the right thing. <laughs> and then number six, to run the race of life, weight of unforgiveness is too heavy. It will drag us down. We all know that. When you forgive, you release the power of the spirit, power of the victory. Amen? Matthew 27, Colossians 2, 2, 2.15. When you forgive, you release the power of healing, even from bitterness. Talked about that. And I'm going to end with this story. Corey Ten Boom, you know the story, Corey Ten Boom, who's gone through the concentration camp in Germany, right? Forgiveness, she, she wrote a book, and this is what she said. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness, Corey Ten Boom says. When she was in jail, concentration camp, Sister Betsy died while in captivity. One Nazi guard who was so cruel to her sister that led her to death in the concentration camp. So Corey Tembun held this hatred toward this one Nazi soldier. She would never forget and she would never forgive this man until one day this is what happened. And I'm quoting her. My blood seemed to freeze. Whose sins had every day to be forgiven? I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not? Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? If could not have been many seconds that he stood there. In other words, what happened was that one time he, she was conducting a seminar, one guy, tall guy, came and then asking her to, you know, handshake with her, with him. And then she looked at him, and then he happens to be that one Nazi soldier. He happened to be that one, not that soldier who, who led the killing of, of her sister. And that's what we're talking about. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, that one Nazi soldier, 
hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever, ever had, had to do. And still I stood there with a coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. The will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current stated in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into my joint hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And she uttered the word, I Forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. Amen. Amen. None of us deserve to be forgiven, but he did. None of us can continue on without forgiveness. As we look back our childhood, our stuck point, wherever we may be in our lives, maybe we have reason to forgive. In our lives now, whatever you may go through, we may have reason to forget. Who's going to initiate? Who's going to take the first step? Who's going to take out the phone and call? Who's going to call? Who's going to meet and say the words? Would you forgive me? That's an amazing word that can begin something amazing in our lives. I want to end with this uh, couple of... Uh, a um, couple of uh, statements, a couple of resources. There's uh, my um, website, and there's a Facebook page, uh, number six. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Journey, journey of Healing, there are two uh, resources that I want to share. One is from Amazon, Amazon.com. You go there, and then you punch in Celebrate Recovery, then there's a workbooks and, and there's a book called Healing is a Choice by John Baker. Uh, it's a book that is put out by non-SDA uh, church. It's a Saddleback church, but, but I, I, I didn't find, you know, yeah, anything really, um, you know, having an issue with our faith and so forth. So there's a lot you can learn from those materials, but if you want to learn from an Adventist resource. There's an adventsource.org. You go to adventsource.org, or there's a website. You can look for this, or you can call this number, ask for Journey to Wholeness teacher's booklet. It's, it's actually the big binder uh, for the teacher's booklet for Journey to Wholeness. And then there's workbooks. I think four of them are there for you. And the reason why I would like you to get this is that it really helps you to work on the issues that we all may have in our lives in such a way that it will help us to really grow beyond the place of immaturity to maturity. So uh, take a look at those uh, materials. If you're interested in coming to our training program, Halin is out there, and you put down your name. We'll have a training program on the 14th of October. 14th of October, uh, we would like you to come from 9 to 5, all-day program. You come there, you get to learn how to run this program, and you know what? Guess what? As you learn to lead this program, 
you're going to really grow. I can definitely guarantee you, right? You know what I mean? As a, result of doing the, as a result of me doing this kind of seminar, do you think who would have benefited the most? Me, you see? And so I want you to really, really, uh, really be proactive about doing this because don't tell me you can't do it. We're going to teach you. Uh, we're going to help you to do it. And then I'm going to teach you everything I know as to how we can go about doing this. So, so pardon so it's a training for Journey of Wholeness program, and it's a program where you bring in whoever wants to work on their issues, whether it be addiction or whether it be abuse or hurt in the past, any stuff point in their lives, you know, whatever they need to deal with, it, it is there, it is designed for us to be in a place where it's open, authentic, secure, safe, uh, in that kind of accepting environment, people can truly grow and, and be changed. So pay place is going to be, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, yeah, Baron Springs. And then there's a poster available, flyer available out there, okay? And then, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. May I talk to you before you go? <laughs> May I talk to you before you go? Yeah, so, um, yeah, please, um, yeah, get those flyers out there. I want you to come. We can accommodate about 40 people, you know, and so whoever comes first uh, can get lined up for it. There is going to be fees only because we're going to provide you with the material, whole booklet and everything. You know, that costs like $45. And then we only, uh, and then rest of it is for meals and so forth. So I think they're charging like $75, yeah, yeah for everything. And so uh, I, would, I would love for you to come and then have this, you know, uh, have this avenue of reaching out to the community and that would also help us to grow and, and so forth. I would highly recommend that. And then there's another book that I want you to read, John Brescia, called uh, Hailing the Shame That Binds You, and, and so forth, okay? Um, time is up, and anybody wants to share, just one or two persons share anything that, that, uh, that you might have learned from this uh, seminar or anything that... That makes you feel like, you know what, I'm going to practice this in my life and so forth. Anything? Anybody? Anybody? Anything that you have learned from this uh, class and that you want to practice in your life, what would that be? I would like to hear. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. It's called... Uh, it's called... Uh, it's called uh, the, the Henny Cloud, Henny Cloud, you know, Cloud, Henny Cloud wrote a book, How Does Small Group Grows? Yeah, it's a powerful book. Yeah, I forgot to mention that one. Okay. Let's pray together. In closing, I'm going to ask you to pray. Would you? Our Father, which are not in heaven, we want to thank you for this time that we could be together to to appreciate the Holy Spirit and your love and forgiveness that you've given to us. May we be able to remember what we've heard and be able to, through your grace, implement that in thy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.